1: Mercy and peace be unto each of you from God our Father and our Lord, our King, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, comfort of the afflicted and healer of the broken, you have fed us at the table of life and hope. Teach us the ways of gentleness and peace, that all the world may acknowledge the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading for this fifth Sunday in Pentecost is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, that we could love as our Lord commands.
0: Oh, that we would love others
1: as we already love ourselves. Oh, that we would love so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Oh, that we would be known as our community's good Samaritan for helping, for kindness, for sacrifice, for love. Truthfully, our love is lacking, and it always will be. But why? Because too often we separate our love from our deliverance, from our rescue by the hand and feet of our Savior. When we think of being delivered or rescued, we probably think of those unfortunates thrust into a terrible situation. You know, a woman kidnapped and held against her will by some sadist. She needs rescuing. People forced by stronger people to be enslaved and need deliverance. A victim of some terrible accident in a coal mine or on a highway, needing saving by heroic measures. But from what do middle-class Americans need rescuing? A house payment, college debt, a bad marriage? We can only imagine that these situations are the worst. They're not. Paul writes that we have been delivered from the domain of darkness. Eve's sin and Adam's fall have placed us in dire straits. We were from conception in the domain of the devil. We are not just hell-bound and bent on evil. We were born in the hellish and evil condition of sin. The wages of our sin is death. We need rescuing. We need deliverance. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Asks Paul. Only one can. Only one has. Jesus Christ it is. Jesus' method of deliverance is quite unusual. He does it by dying. He does it by laying down his life, by paying the last penny, by giving up everything he has. Now, many people are good neighbors to their neighbors. In fact, my wife and I, we saw that after the recent tornado that hit our street as everyone came out to check on their property and on their neighbors. We see it in bringing meals to our neighbors who are sick or who are dealing with some other problem. But Jesus' good neighboring to us is more extravagant. Sin and death cannot be overcome by being nice and by loving our neighbor only the way we love ourselves. God's wrath over sin is real. His pronouncement to Adam that disobedience has consequences means just that. The consequence was death. Overcoming death would not be accomplished by an abundance of tomatoes to make soup or the breaking of uh, the sun after a storm. Death would be defeated by extravagant means. God would give the gift of his only son through a virgin. His only son would give up his life on a cross as a once-for-all sacrifice. God would call this the free gift of righteousness. While the judgment of God for sin brought condemnation, now the free gift of God in Jesus has brought justification. Call it deliverance, call it rescue. Sinful man would never have conceived such a plan. God did. By his grace, by his mercy, he has considered the poor. All mankind lost in sin and has delivered the poor. Out of darkness, and into light, freed from the clutches of the devil and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved Son. All who are baptized receive this rescue. Holy Scripture plainly says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It's Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Dr. Martin Luther in his large catechism says this, therefore, state it most simply in this way, the power, work, Profit, fruit, and purpose of baptism is this, to save. For no one is baptized in order that he may become a prince, but as the words say, that he be saved. We know that to be saved is nothing other than to be delivered from sin, death, and the devil. Paul can commend the Colossians for their love because it is not separated from the rescue of Jesus, his love. His love has created faith in them, and that faith works love. And not in the Colossians only. Paul can claim the gospel's deliverance in the world, or in the whole world, and the fruit that it bears. The redemption won by Christ delivers all mankind in order that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, in love. But who loves first, man or God? We love because he first loved us, says John. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. God's love precedes our love. Faith precedes love. Faith loves the forgiveness of sin wherever our Lord gives it. If our Lord declared that the forgiveness of sins was in checking in on our neighbors after a storm or setting aside some food for a mercy meal, we would listen. Listen. You have heard the gospel. It has come to you. You have believed it. You are redeemed. You are baptized. You eat the very body and blood of our Lord often. It is for your forgiveness. It is to strengthen your love. Not only is there life in the body and blood of Jesus unto forgiveness, there is strength unto love of our neighbor. Nevertheless, our love is not what it seems or what it ought to be. It needs bolstering, improvement. It receives strengthening from the faith given. And when the Lord's servant Moses spoke and taught the Israelites about loving their neighbors as they love themselves, it seemed doable. I mean, who would hate himself? If hungry, who would not want someone to provide him food? If falsely accused, who would not want someone to defend him? If oppressed, who would not want help? If taken to court, who would not like impartiality? If guilty of a sin, who would not desire the forgiveness of a brother? Oh, that we would do what we would like done to ourselves. Love of self is far easier than love of our neighbor. We fight our neighbor over fence-line property and growl in envy when they seem to be doing better than we are. We listen to one neighbor gossip about another neighbor and do not walk away. We have the freedom to speak against the the oppression of our littlest neighbors, preborn babies, and we will not stand, march, or sign petitions against their murder. We fail to make proper judgments at times in favor of the rich and to the disadvantage of the poor. Finally, worst of all, we hold grudges and seek retaliation on those who have crossed us. Paul prayed for the strengthening of the Colossians as he wrote them this letter. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? The Christian fight or race is not an easy one. Long-term endurance is needed. Faith can falter and love can grow cold. Love gives power. Not according to our need. But according to the measure of God's glory. A good measure. Abundant overflowing. For that is the nature of God's love. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let us pray. Gracious Father, by the obedience of Jesus, you brought salvation to our wayward world. Draw us into harmony with your will we may find all things restored in him, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.